for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Uh, well, hell is frozen over. We have a guest. Yeah. And requested by Matt. It was, it was my idea. I'll, yeah. I'll take credit for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You should take credit yeah. for it. But it's Aww. been, it's been, uh, it's been a couple of years. We, we we tried guests when this podcast started uh, a few yeah. times. It was mainly because we did. We had Mick one time. Yeah, we had Who Stu. We no, we never had Stu. I don't think we ever had. We Stu. should have Stu. Uh, we had Craig. We had Craig. No, you weren't here when Craig I was, was say, here. I don't think I was here for that but, one. Uh, anyway, it's been a couple of years, and uh, you, you tell me why you why it was you were incumbent on having our first guest well, in over I two mean, years. We're talking about a pretty significant event in local sports history, with the what are we calling it? Retirement, resignation of Curtis Riggs Just, uh, from the Sioux Falls Storm. Hey, I fulfilled my contract and didn't sign a new one. Okay. So I don't right. know. <laughs> Moving on, I guess. Well, it's just resigned feels so much like you're like quitting, yeah, you know, yeah, and does. you're not really quitting not and really you're obviously re- not retiring, retiring. Yeah. I don't but know. stepping down, Transition. I guess, is the best way to put yeah. it. But passing it on. For those who don't know, Curtis Riggs, after 20 years, this will be his final season with the Sioux Falls Storm. And so, he's had a hard time. You know, we've been hanging out for about an hour before we flipped on the mic. He's having a hard time keeping it together. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> cried several times. Uh, he just can't get over it. Not enough you can tell he's still squirming around with this decision. Yeah, like, he might <laughs> be having regrets. <laughs> but, uh, I, but, but, I mean, seriously, it's got to be a little weird. I mean, you've been here for, you've been in Sioux Falls for what, th- almost 30 years? Yeah. Yep. And uh, obviously have accomplished a lot playing and coaching and and, and now is the time. So what kind of, are, are, you, are you wrestling with the motions or are you just not that type of guy? No, not, not really. Um, I, I don't know if it's really set in. Um, I think when, when I do finally make a move from Sioux Falls, I think maybe that'll be a little more of a uh, looking back, the thought process, the history of but for right now, it's always just kind of keep moving ahead, try to step, stay one step ahead of everyone else, and and usually fail at that. Sometimes I'm successful, sometimes not. Well, and you got a game too. I mean, yeah. so the hay's in the barn, though, right? It got is a game tomorrow night yep. against Massachusetts. Yep. Yep. So it's uh, no worries there. We're not we're not we're not imposing on your time. You're, <laughs> no, you're no, we're game yep. planning. Yep, on getting we're, things together. I guess I mean most people listening know this but of course Curtis has won 11 titles as the head coach and GM of the Sioux Falls Storm and taking a job as an assistant coach at the University of Washington well well wait been, now oh, that, that is not that is not no okay that has not been been determined um, okay I I will move on with a career choice and and you know, when that gets oh. said, I'll make sure you guys know <laughs> okay. that. Okay. Right Sorry about that. Is there any chance you might be making your way west here. at some point <laughs> to maybe be involved with a Pac-12 school? I think uh, I will leave Sioux Falls at, at some point, maybe in December or January. Okay. All right. Maybe, maybe in December or January. Okay. Well, I do want to know, because um, I asked you a little bit about this after the game on Saturday, because we kind of thought that was going to be the last home game. Yeah. You got a kind of a miracle from Tucson, or was it Tulsa? Uh, Tulsa. Tulsa. Yeah. Uh, I asked, you know, were you, they had the big pregame, the video you had recorded, and obviously it was alumni night and everything. So whether it was that night or now it'll be Saturday, or if you win Saturday the, the following week, but have you at the very least sort of allowed yourself to start, sort of start, you know, appreciating different things, maybe lingering a little longer on this is the last time I might do this, or, you know... Taking in the sights and sounds sort of is like, this is my last chance. I want to soak all this up because it's going to be over pretty soon. Yeah, it, you know, I think one of the the things that's made the whole transition easier is passing on to Peyton to let him go out on the field and call the plays and let him kind of manage the offense and run things. And, and really, I'm a, a game manager now. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, Coach Stigemeyer over on the sideline. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I need to get a clipboard and put it around my neck and and just write down random things because um that that's that's where things really for me started to change um as i kind of felt like i was an outsider watching that's when i knew the transition was going to be easier 
so no, you're not taking time to sort no, of appreciate no, yeah. the... <laughs> you know, like the, the tribute was cool. It was great, uh-huh. and it was awesome seeing the players. But it felt like it was an hour long. Like, I think it was 10 seconds they had that spotlight on me. Uh-huh. It felt like it was over an hour. Uh-huh. Like, I, I couldn't think more of, uh-huh. please, let's get this game started. Uh-huh. Well, I do. I, I talked to Andre Fields the, the other day. I was asking him a little bit about what this season has been like, what it's going to be like transitioning to him becoming the head coach. And I asked him a little bit about uh, how you had changed over the course of 20 years. He said, not at all. He's the same asshole he was when he started. <laughs> um, but uh, um, we, we got to talk a little bit about just where things are today, where they were in 2000, 2003, I think was Andre's first year. And he said, you know, back then, we, were, we weren't so much thinking about how long – you know, he's like, I wasn't thinking about him. I, how long am I going to play for the storm, or whatever? He's like, is the league going to survive? It was such a new venture. You know, yeah. all these indoor leagues are are sprouting up, and you just hope it lasts long enough to to do it for a little while. He said that because the question I asked him was, if someone had told you in two thousand three that you'd still be a part of this franchise twenty years later, he, no, that's that would been ridiculous. Yeah. I'll pose that same question to you because I imagine it's almost even more crazy if someone had said back then, you're going to coach this team for 20 years, win 11 championships, do everything that you did, stick with it as long as you did, turn down some of the other opportunities you've had mm-hmm. in favor of sticking with the Sioux Falls Storm. I mean, that would have seemed kind of crazy back then, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> all of those factors. I, I think, you know, I continued to teach um, and work other jobs just because I was so scared of the league at any time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who knew? And, and then especially after we had that change of ownership, after the Vakurvich family stepped away, I thought, boy, I, this could be any moment. This yep. is done. I mean, if someone like that is, is, is stepping away, it could happen to anyone. And, and um, we've seen over the years that the teams come and go. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't have, have thought I would still be doing it. I wouldn't have thought I would have passed up some of the job opportunities, um, but it, it was great. It was awesome. I, I was lucky enough to have great owners every year, and uh, they always made it to where I wanted to continue to come back, and they took great care of me. Curtis Riggs joining us. Oh, gosh, I've fallen into radio mode. He looked very <laughs> disappointed in me. Matt does doing that. Um, it, okay. Why is now the time? I, without, without talking about future endeavors, why did now feel like the time? Because perhaps your possible future endeavors could have happened maybe a year ago, maybe two yeah. years ago. Well, you, maybe you know, any time. Two years ago was definitely, in the, after the 2019 season, um, it was definitely thought about. And then Todd decided I got to sell the team. <laughs> and, and one of the parts of the sale was me staying on board for the new owners. And... Um, when we started to look at some of the ownership groups that wanted to buy the team, I, I thought, no, I, I'm not sticking around because there was a lot of outside groups that wanted to just buy the team, flip it, and then turn around and sell it. Hmm. And I said I wouldn't be a part of that. And then when the, the Headleys, the Richters, and the Gary stepped forward, I, I said, yeah, I, I, I'll stay on and, and help with this transition. Well, then, you know, we had two shitty years. And um, I thought, well, I, I got to come back for one more. We can't mm-hmm. end with 8-8. Eight and eight. That's just not cutting it. And um, then making sure that we had the coaches in place, getting Andre back on board, um, Peyton moving back, knowing that he can help take over the offense. Uh, I, I mean, they're, they're ready. I mean, they definitely – they've done it this year pretty much without me. I mean, they're ready to go. Well, I mean, seriously, when you say that, what, what do you mean by that without me? Well, I just mean Andres, he has full control of the defense. He knows everything that I have to do now with game management, with coaching, football operations. Uh, Peyton has full control of the offense. He's done all that. Um, and then they have a better understanding of the recruiting of players. And Corey Johnson has been helpful in that area, too. And that's what they're going to have to do. They'll have to tag team that and figure out ways to who's handling football operations, who's handling recruiting. Um, and then the game management part will be Peyton and Andre. Do you think you're going to miss it or is, is oh, I think I, enough? I, I think I'll have my hands full. I think um, I, I'm really excited to just follow, communicate with them, help them out with whatever they need. But uh, – Boy, I, you know, I used to love practice, loved it. That was the best part. Uh, now I, you know, I just dread it. And uh-huh. with indoor football, you got to practice early in the morning or late at night. Because people have the, jobs. Yeah, yep. and it just sucks. 
and I'm tired of that. And uh, I'm tired of, you know, some of the travel with indoor football is is not always luxurious, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, that kind of grinds on you. And and I'm I'm ready to be done with that too. Why'd you do it so long? Well, you know, that's that's a good question. I, I think one of the reasons was we, we loved Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls was great to raise our kids. And then it was, oh, you know, we'll wait till Peyton's done with high school. Oh, we'll wait till Afton's done with high school. Oh, you know, now Afton's going through this difficult medical situation. Let's try to stay make this home and continue to have stable uh, uh, benefits that can help take care of her. And it, you, you always find something. Um, but then as I started to realize, you know, I, I, I don't love it as much as I used to, meaning all the facets, the recruiting, the, the practice, all that. That's when I started to know mm-hmm. it, it's got to be soon. How did you think you because one thing I've told people that have asked me over the years, especially when I covered the team every day, like I used to, you know, like, how did this thing become what it is? How did they yeah. build this dynasty? And I always gave you a lot of credit, obviously. But I said it wasn't just that. Curtis Riggs is a smart guy. He's a good football coach. It's one thing that I – and I talked about this with, with Andre a little bit is – and I saw it a lot covering your guys' games was seeing how you guys were able to build a system, essentially, a, a program, kind of the way we talk about with college programs a lot. You know, you talk yeah. about a program, like what, what Stig has built, you know, yeah. what, what, what Kalen has built where he's been. You looked at a lot of the other indoor teams, they didn't have that. And in a lot of cases because they couldn't. It was right. just hard to, to build that. It felt to me like when you guys started having some success, like when you won your first title, got Terrence in and Mark Blackburn and some of those guys, that maybe you, and I'm speaking for her, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but that you kind of sensed like, hey, if we can keep this core of guys here, and if I stay as coach and have some people around me that I trust, we can build something here, and it can sustain itself. And it seemed like you got a little bit of a, like, hey, this is how we're going to do things, and it's going to work. And it worked. You almost yeah. won 10, 11 titles in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it was it was crazy. Uh, when we won that 2019 title at the press conference, it, the uh, reporter goes, you know, Coach, this is your 10th championship in a row. And I didn't know that. I And he said that. And I'm like, oh. Holy shit. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool, <laughs> yeah. man. And then all they could talk about was Arizona being undefeated and how they were going to railroad us and, uh-huh. just, uh, and wouldn't be close. And, and then we won that. And But after that year, we really started to experience what everyone else had been experiencing the entire time. We could not get Midwest guys. Mm-hmm. We couldn't. And so we just didn't have any of that sense of what you talk about. And it was like starting new every year. And then it was reflective, I think, in, in our record. You know, we go 8-8, eight and eight, we go 8-8 eight and eight again the next year, and you, you look at, well, where's our problems? Well, we got to fix this guy, this guy, this guy. Well, pretty soon you're revamping the whole roster. We don't have any guys from the area that you can work with in the mm-hmm. offseason. Um, you don't have any guys coming back. Um, you get to where you start to hate the guys. Mm-hmm. They hate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it was just dysfunctional. Why did it work back then in the late – Odds yeah. and into the early, you just yeah. well, find the early, right group early of guys on. We were able to get Midwest guys that bought in that wanted to win rather than just worry about themselves. And then you sprinkle in a star like a James Terry, a Terrence Bryan, a Mark Blackburn, and then they buy in to the concept of that blue collar mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, we would step on the field against way more talented teams, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't even be close. I mm-hmm. mean, we knew we were going to be. Then there was the stretch where we were just better than everyone. You know, Chris Dixon, yep. all those. You mixed Sioux Falls and Billings together, and um, we we were just better than everyone. Um, and then after that, we were kind of able to keep enough of the guys around for a while, and then you started. they all started to fall off. We couldn't replace them. Yep. We couldn't get guys to stay, and, and uh, that was a lot of our, our dysfunction. I, I want to go back to the early days, and what kind of struggles did you go through before becoming just a perennial title team and how much of a, a slow roll or a quick hit was it at the box office because obviously the arena and the storm shelter became this event yeah and uh but what, what kind of a build-up was it to that point it it, it was interesting I, you know my first year we go um oh and four to start off and uh we had a quarterback named richard fuentes 
who I, I it was awesome. He was great. And we go down our first game. We play at Omaha, and they had all kinds of Husker players. So if we if I named any of them, Gaskins would be salivating, and we'd be on that Very topic true. forever. Yeah, um, this was back so, when they were good. Yes, yes. And uh, we got absolutely pounded. And I'm sitting in the locker room thinking. Oh my gosh, what have I what have I taken on here? Yeah. And thinking I, I got to get a new quarterback. And Rich Fuentes walks in and he's like, "Coach, damn, come on, a long season, pick it up, we'll be okay." And I'm thinking, "No, you're not going to be okay. <laughs> you're gone." <laughs> and then the next week we go to Utah, who is they lost in the championship the year before, and uh, we play in a shootout. Fuentes is fantastic. Um, we lose a heartbreaker, but I think well we're getting better. The third game, we go to Lincoln and play in Lincoln, and um, he tears his Achilles tendon, and and he goes, well, I guess now is maybe the time I tell you, you know, my brother just got let go from the Packers. His name's Jose Fuentes, and <laughs> he was a quarterback, and and so we get Jose in, and and then we go on a run, and I think he was we, even better than Rich. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was great. I, and, he was the quarterback when yeah, I first started covering. Yeah, him, yeah, and and we we went to the title. We lost to Lexington with Jose and. Um, uh, and, and, but you kind of started to see, like, hey, I, I, I'm getting how we have to compete. I'm understanding the intricacies of this game. And, and I had a great staff, too. I mean, Mike Aldridge was phenomenal early in those days, and then Brian was awesome. And, and we were always able to keep it inside storm-related. You know, when a coach left, we could replace him with a, st- a storm guy. Mm-hmm. And, and so we never had to go outside of the storm to hire anyone. So 2003 was your first year, and so yeah. you went to the championship game that, your first year. No, I, we lost in the semis my first year. Okay. The next year we uh, went to the championship. Okay. We lost to Lexington in the championship. At home. At home. Yeah, they kicked your ass. Yeah, I they did. Those. They got after yeah. us. And we learned a lot there, too. We learned about uh, interior play. I mean, they went five defensive linemen and just wore us down. And then the next year we beat Sioux City, and that's when we brought Terrence Bryan in. Mm. It was those were some fun times. I mean, that was when I just started at the Argus, and I remember everyone. I could be wrong. What you guys? It sure seemed like everyone thought the role you were on in that '04 season that you were going to beat Lexington and win the championship. Yeah, yeah, and I, then, I thought so too. And, and when they beat you as soundly, I remember noticing that you and your guys weren't as downtrodden as I expected because I think it was much more of a sense like holy shit yeah like those yeah. guys are just really good we, we were the top we're seed have to we be. were the top seed but you're right I mean it, like I walked off that field thinking they're better yeah they they're were better, better than, than us yep. and um, yeah uh, we we gotta we gotta find a few guys like what they have to be able to beat a team like that and um and, and that's what we were able to do and but, you had that weird season in 05 yeah you brought in terrence he didn't work out right away you benched him you brought him back and went on the run in the playoffs beat sioux city in the final people forget you were like eight and eight, eight that year eight. yeah you know, and we the played title. rapid city four times that year yeah, that's yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the following year, it was Lexington, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that was very – I always felt like – I think I told John on last week's podcast, like that I thought was a really significant one. You got the first one in the bank, okay, that's big. But it felt like a hurdle to prove that, well, we can beat Lexington too. Yeah. Not like not that you had backed into it the year before, but it was yeah. like, okay, this is for real. Now you got to beat Lexington. Yeah. And I think it was two years in a row yeah. you played them, and yeah. both of them were just – down to the wire, were, absolute yeah. shootout, 72-69, that kind of – I, I think it was Peyton that showed some of the guys uh, when Nate Floyd blocked the field goal at the end of the game. And uh, it was one of the the news stations. The guy was filming from the end zone, and his camera is just shaking because it's so loud mm-hmm. in the arena, and, and the atmosphere was incredible. And still to this day, some of the coaches that were able to coach against us in that place um, still talk about how mm-hmm. by far the most imposing place to play. Okay, and, and it, was it always that way, or did it take a, a few, few years well, to build it, the you know, I will there. say, and, and Stu Whitney was at this event, our first event for the, the storm was a, a flag football celebrity game uh, the week before our first game. And our owners at the time wanted to do it big, and they brought all these fans in and all these celebrities. They shot fireworks off before the game, and they didn't set the pyro at the right level, so they shot off into the rafters at the arena, and they were ricocheting, and then they exploded <laughs> out into the crowd. And we thought, uh, the storm's done before yep, we even yep, started. Yep. Um, so that's kind of how we kicked things off. And then it was a slow build. And um, the thing we did know was we had passionate fans that loved football. We had a NASCAR-style crowd that came yep. to watch football 
and drink and have a good time. I mean, we lost a game to Sioux City, and we had a fan throw a chair on the field at one of the Sioux City players. I mean, the yep. <laughs> losing was not He lost accepted. his season tickets, I yeah, believe. he did. Yeah. 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 I had to write about that. They yeah. bolt the chairs together now because yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> I do, I've told this story a couple times. I think I told it on this podcast recently, but around the 06, 07, right around the time Dixon was coming in, and you guys were, like, winning. It might have been around the time you had the 40-game winning streak. Uh, I was having a conversation with Colin Steen, who had been the GM yeah. at the time. He was towards the end of his tenure, I don't know, but uh, my family used to own the Buffalo Wild Wings out there, and that's where all the pregame parties were. Yeah. So I would come there and like have have some wings at 5 o'clock, hang out for the pregame party a little bit, then walk over, cover the game, then come back to Wild Wings after the game. People would be part. I mean, it was just from like 4 o'clock in the afternoon until yeah. midnight. It was just this storm party and it was nuts and it was yeah. fun and it was summer so the weather was great b-dubs was kind of a new place so it was always yep. jumping there and i remember one night i was standing out there talking to colin just kind of bsing and he was like isn't this awesome like this is just so awesome yeah. and i was like yeah this is totally awesome but then i said to him i go it's not going to be like this forever yeah. you know and he kind of looked at me like, what do you mean? Like, why wouldn't it be like this forever? Yeah. And I was just like, well, you know, the Sky Force kind of went through yeah. a phase like this in the 90s where they were selling out every game and it was the hot ticket in town. And the Canaries, to a lesser extent, when they were new, it was like, hey, minor league baseball and the Stampede. And I was like, this is your time, you know, and, and you're winning. That's the big yeah. thing. They're winning yeah. championships and everything. But I just remember being like, appreciate, like, take a second to look around and go, this is awesome. This is amazing. But it isn't going to be like this forever. Yeah. And I don't mean to criticize anyone no. that, 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 like, that they let it slip. Yeah. It was just there was a moment in time there for about three, four, five years where Sioux Falls Storm football that's where it was at. Yeah. That was the hot ticket in town, and that was just a really, really fun time. Yeah, you would pull up to the arena. I, I'd be going in uh, to get ready for a game, and the parking lot was full of people tailgating. Yep. Um, you, you know that it was awesome. One of the one of the pitfalls we created was, and you know, other owners would say this to our, our owners at the meetings: Hey, if you'd quit winning, we wouldn't have all these issues. And <laughs> and really, it became to where. You know, certain games we wouldn't have um, all the fans because they knew we were going to win. You yep. know, eighty to ten, and yep. uh, if we got a first round playoff game at home, people wouldn't come to that, and we would pay <laughs> for the opposing team to come here. We pay for their travel. You got to pay their payroll. You pay for the official. It'd be a huge loss for us. Uh -huh. And but then, of course, we're playing in the semis and the championship. You'd make it back, but um, it got to where you, we were beating teams so badly for a while there that. Yeah, it did start to fester off, and then it was tough to rebuild it back. Mm -hmm. Zim told a good story while we were talking mostly about you and, and what we're talking about now on our last podcast about when you did win your first title in Sioux City. <laughs> and an encounter, and the, Do you remember the encounter you had with him? He was covering the game for the Argus. I don't. After the no. game. So the game ended, and I interviewed a couple players first. I was, I was like, ah, oh, he's busy. I'll find him later. And so I remember I interviewed Austin Flieger. I interviewed Austin, or, uh, Adam Hicks, who made the game-winning kick. And when I finally found you, I had to wait a little bit while you finished talking to whoever you were talking to. And then I finally kind of got your attention. And you just instinctively kind of reached out and grabbed me and gave me this huge bear hug and lifted me off the ground and oh, cracked yeah. my back. And I remember <laughs> being like, geez, Curtis, relax. Uh. And then when you put me back down, I could tell you were kind of like, that's kind of weird. I just hugged the reporter guy. <laughs> well, but, but what was uh, funny about it was you could sort of sense that in your that that was your natural reaction. But then when I started asking you questions, oh, I'm getting when I started asking you questions, the the theme kind of that you kept coming back to was a sense of relief. Yeah. You know, like yes, you were excited and elated and everything, but and it, you could almost sort of feel that in that hug that it was this sense of. Oh, we did it. Yeah. Which is so funny now. Yeah. Because you've won 11 of them. It seems like, why would it ever be a sense of relief or pressure yeah. or whatever? But I think at that time, it was like, yeah. I got to win this. Without we got to get one. Wait, wait, one of the fears that we had was, are we going to be that team that loses in the championship every time? Mm -hmm. We lost to Lexington. Um, we kind of had a very disappointing, well, we did have a, a disappointing regular season. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we had lost to Sioux City three times that year. Yeah. And they were all close games, and you just thought, yeah, we can beat these guys. And um, all of those things, you, you start to think about 
the what ifs rather than hey we we got this and they start to they creep into your mind and and then fred jackson fumbles and that's when you're like well we we're gonna win this game now mm-hmm. and yeah it was i think a sense of relief that we were able to get that first one um because then after that you're like well things will play out from this point on but you don't want to be that team that continues to lose in the championship game i remember maybe after the third or fourth one you said something similar where you're like because I think I asked you at some point, like, does this ever get old, or do they feel the same, or do they ever feel different? And you said, like, well, it, there's always a sense of relief yeah. just because the expectations are so high. And especially you start winning it over and over, people yeah. come to expect it. Anything less than winning it is a disappointment. Did that ever take some of the fun out of it that you yeah, always it did. felt like? Yeah, you know, and some of those years where, it, you know, where we had Chris, mm-hmm. I mean, the expectation wasn't just win. It Go was undefeated. Win, yeah, win by season. how much. Yep. And, and, yeah, you got to be undefeated. And, and um, uh, yeah, I, I'll never forget that first game we had Chris and, and some of those guys. You know, we scored over 100 points. And mm-hmm. we went out to Kent, Washington, and scored, I think, 110 points. And I thought, holy shit. <laughs> you know, and Dusty Aborica was just solid. He loved it. He thought mm-hmm. it was the greatest thing ever. And, um we, we just talked about this the other day, and then it was like every game had to be like that. When you didn't win that way, that's what we got criticized by. Yeah. Well, then, of course, you, you got to win the title. And then it kind of takes away from the fun of this is what I love to do more so I, I ha- we have to win this title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, is there anything that can get you over that, or, or is it that just the way it is from that point? It, 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 yeah, it was just, hey, thank you. I'm glad we won. All right, let's just be glad the season's done now. We won the title Mm -hmm. and uh, enjoy a little time off and then get ready for the same expectations next year. And to just kind of start to sense uh, a little bit of a fatigue from, I don't know, the fan base or the community at at that point? There there was fatigue, but also when it changed and it actually started to become more fun was when our roster started to turn over a little bit and we started to lose some games in the regular season. And then it, it actually started to become fun this, and competitive like, football. When about was that? Was that well, like in it, between it the would, two? In between the, like after the scandal and the whole when you came back and kind of had to rebuild it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, you know, and, you know we, we re- replaced our entire roster. Um, and, and then the transition from the old arena to the new arena was very much that point of where it was like, hey, we're beatable. I mean, other teams can beat us now. And, and um, it, it felt to where schematically – you were a big part of it. Coaching-wise, you're a big part of it. Whereas with Chris Dixon, I, I mean, there's many times I called terrible plays. He was just so gifted. Mm-hmm. He would make a, a bad play look really good. I'd love to take us back to when you were able to get him because my, my memory might be fuzzy, but this is coming off of four straight titles, and then I believe – the insurance scandal, and you had to give up a bunch of games. One year, you couldn't, you missed the playoffs because of it. You had to forfeit so, a bunch yeah, of games. Yeah, so we were five and zero. Oh. We had a great team too, yeah, and we were actually, yeah, we were going to play Billings, yeah. and we get a call from our attorney saying, "Hey, um, here's what the league's found, and and uh, here's what they're going to do. They're going to make you forfeit those games, and you got to play with twenty guys rather than twenty one guys." Um, so we had to tell a guy that was planning on suiting that, "Hey, you don't get a suit now." We got absolutely. Crazy rush we we went into that game and uh we had one receiver get hurt right away and then james terry gets ejected from the game and then our quarterback gets hurt and so we we, it was a nightmare nothing could go right and uh we we get crushed well now we're zero and six and we fight our way back and we get to nine and six and um (laughs) and then we don't make the playoffs so uh, we just we we couldn't get enough to get in there and get help from other teams and the next year we come back and we're just motivated to get back in there. We play Billings in the championship. Their their arena gets destroyed by a tornado. Yes. And we play and in this Dixon practice still their facility. Quarterback yeah, then? he's their quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And we had him fourth and twelve. You had to play in like a skating yeah. ring. Yeah, it was I mean yeah. it was as big as Gateway. Yeah. I mean it was <laughs> tiny. The ball hit the ceiling, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, you could not yeah. kick. There was only five hundred fans at the game. They brought in some grandstands, and uh, we had him fourth and 12, and Dixon made an, a, an amazing play where he just gets out of Blackburn's reach and uh, ends up winning the game on that play. And and then it was that after that year, they, they, folded. they, they folded. Yeah, they folded. And, and Chris, obviously, with the respect competing against us, it, it was actually Mania Smith was the first one. Mania was like, I want to play for you guys. And um, he, he came in right away. And then, uh, then Chris then followed suit, wanted to play, and 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 I mean, 
he he was phenomenal. He was such a talented young man. You, I mean, you've kind of hinted at it already, but what, what are some other plays once he was yours that you remember him making where your, your jaw just dropped? And well, it, with most yeah, most I mean, quarterbacks, you have to worry about the protection. Yeah. With him, you don't. He had such a gift of being able to drift and throw. What the linebacker would be coming full speed at him. He could continue to backpedal and make an accurate throw anywhere on on the field, and not even hesitate to to be worried about that guy coming at him. Whereas most guys, I mean, they're shitting themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, they see a guy running full speed at him. They're like, I gotta throw, take the hit, or I gotta throw and get down. Chris would just drift away, make that throw, and then pretty much laugh at the linebacker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mock him, and uh, no one else has been able to do that. He was fun to watch, and uh, I, I remember thinking at times, as a Vikings fan, someone who watches the NFL, like, I think this guy could play for the Vikings. Like, I've, I've seen the Vikings employ quarterbacks <laughs> who can't do the things this guy does. Uh, but it was interesting then. He got an opportunity at the AF1 level yeah. or something, yeah. and you struggled a little bit to find a replacement. And one of my favorite memories, and I'm sure one of yours too, was when it was like, I think Martavius Young was his name, yeah. wasn't really working out. And so you brought a 37-year-old Terrence Bryant back yeah. who was kind of 37 going on 47, just the way he was, you know, not not really a, a mobile quarterback to begin with. He talked off in that year about how old he felt coming back but that was just such a cool story yeah to see him come back and win the championship as an old man yeah we we actually we had this kid at quarterback that was from middle tennessee state he was the the offensive player of the year and um he tried to fight one of my coaches it was in in practice he just lost his mind and and uh um we we got rid of him and then we were kind of struggling to have an identity and we knew we needed leadership more than anything Mm -hmm. else and that's where we brought Terrence back. And, and uh, his first game back, we went to Cedar Rapids and got destroyed. And we thought, whew, this is going to be tough. <laughs> and and uh, we knew we could get back to some of the things Terrence felt comfortable with. And, and then, yeah, we went on a run and led us to a title. And um, I think everyone was, uh, oh, yeah, he is the best player to ever play for the Storm. Mm-hmm. Approximately what year was that? What title are we going on? Boy, I don't know. Was, I, yeah. 2013? Yeah, it was somewhere. It, it was still the old arena at that point, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. You had, uh, so it had to be 11, somewhere in there, because I think 12 was our first year in the new oh, arena. Oh, okay. You had, okay. Yeah, four titles, 05 to 08, then a two-year absence from winning titles, and then 11 to 16, six mm-hmm. in a row after that. Mm-hmm. I think the first year of the arena might have been 13, but yeah, um, I wasn't maybe. here. It's somewhere in there, that area. And then, and then how long did the Terrence Bryant thing last until you – came to uh, Lorenzo was it was it Terrence yeah, to Lorenzo so was the it? next year then we brought Martavius Young back and uh and he just wasn't coming to fruition um he he just wanted to run around he he didn't want to be a quarterback and you, you know it's tough to find that fine line great athlete quarterback when do they know hey I got to make the throw and when do I have to be the athlete and run around and that's that's a difficult transition for some he struggled with that. He couldn't throw when guys were open. He had to wait, see him open, then try to throw it, and he was always late. Um, and so then we. I, but Lorenzo I had, had Lorenzo, been there yeah, as a receiver was, and a backup. Yep. 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 And so we we brought Lorenzo back, and um, and then we had a phenomenal tailback kid named Tory Harrison, who I think's the best to ever play for us. I mean, he was incredible, and he we we just rode his coattails. I mean, we went three games in a row with 200 yards rushing. Just Tory. Tory had over 200 oh yards game, you know, and, and then he, yeah. he got yeah he got signed to a CFL deal after that, and then we're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. we got to figure out how to score now without Tory, and and it was Lorenzo. Lorenzo stepped in, and he knew the system. He had played receiver and backup quarterback, and and he took over and and uh, went on a run for us. Well, and I I I'm gonna go way back to when. Who recruited him? You, Kalen, yeah, yeah. at, at USF? Like when you yeah. first discovered yeah, him, I was then a he quarterback came to coach then. win three yeah. national titles for you at USF? Yeah, yeah. two. He two. won two okay. for us, yeah. Oh, wait, um, it Never lost a college football game. Uh, he was at a junior college, and, and we just had Chad Cavender, who we thought was great, but Kalen was, I mean, he was like, hey, this one's better. He's better. He shouldn't be at our level. And we were able to talk him in to come to USF. And um, I, you know, I had Dixon, so I'm like, hey, come be a, a backup quarterback and a receiver for us and and you know Lorenzo really didn't have many opportunities he wasn't an NFL guy he wasn't going to get looks and so he, he came in and played with us for okay. a long time he's still yeah. doing it yeah, yeah. it's wild. I, I, and people should know like 
he was ready to retire, you know, and he actually went and played in Sioux City. And um, I talked him into coming back this year. He's going to be a really good coach. And I said, you know, you need to start to make that transition, but I want you to come in. I want my last year to be with someone I know I can trust. They know my system. And then, you know, we'll try to bring some young guy along, maybe take over as the season goes. We never were able to get that. And, and he's had a good season. He's yeah. done a nice job. You've had quite a relationship with him over the years. I know yeah. there were times you guys didn't get along. I know there were times that you didn't want him to be your quarterback. You kind of – however that went. And, and Lorenzo has talked about that a lot too. Yeah. It seems very much to be a sort of – I don't know how I'd describe it, but almost as though you two can't quit each other sort of <laughs> seems like the way to put it. The thing I have always said about Lorenzo is um, – I don't know if there's ever been a greater quarterback at having thick skin. And that's thick skin with our fans because I'll be on the sideline. They side never embraced him the way oh, they did Terrence. Yeah, never. Yep. And I'll, he'll have a great game, but he'll throw a terrible pass for an interception. And I'll hear the fans yell the most horrific things at him. Uh-huh. And even I'm cringing. Yeah. you know. And then I would maybe soften my blow a little bit when we got to the sideline, like, what are you doing? Um but then it would also go with me. I mean, I would attack and go after him where most players would cower and just mm-hmm. go into a corner and start crying. And Lorenzo will take it and then come right back and go out there and, and make a play the next time. Um, while, while we waltzed back to USF, I mean, that's, that's a big part of your time here in Sioux Falls. It's just easy to forget because it's been 14 years since Kalen left yeah. to go have his career. Uh, I mean, you win three national titles with him. You're obviously part of the offensive brain trust and calling plays with him. Uh, and, of course, you threw a lot of touchdowns to him, winning a national title in 1996. How much have you missed coaching with him? Did you, did you uh, think about yeah, that kind of stuff well, after sure. USF? Yeah. Uh, you know, right away it was I didn't think about it much. I mean, we kind of all knew we were disbanding. Um, Kalen kind of had, he was the one that kind of thought, I'm going to stick around here and help a little bit. And, uh, and then he just couldn't get the help he needed from the university. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and so then he's like, geez, you know, I'm getting opportunities thrown at me. And Maybe they wanted the, to go D2. Yeah, and he was yep. like, I'm not doing it yeah. if you're not giving me. Yeah, yeah. they wouldn't give him the resources. And, and he was actually asking for less than what he had. Um, and, and then, you know, he was getting so many opportunities thrown at him at that point. He's like, maybe this is the time. And me, I'm like, Kalen, you have to. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one saying, you, you got to do this. He has such a strong sense of loyalty. And, and that's where he was like, well, maybe we can help get this going still, help with the transition. And then he finally took that jump to, to Southern Illinois. But, you, you know, I had already told him, I, I, I can't keep doing it. I can't teach at Roosevelt coach at USF, coach the storm. I got, I got a lesson load here. Chuck had already then told him, hey, I'm, I'm stepping away from, he went fo- to USD. from football. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he actually was just going to step away from football for oh, a year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was going to step away and um, take a year off, and then USD presented itself. And he's like, well, that's pretty enticing. They wanted yeah. both of them as a package yeah. deal, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. And um, so then Chuck left, and, and, uh, um, and then when Kalen left, that's, yeah, you kind of knew it, it was going to be a tough – sled for them for a while but they you know jed came in did a nice job and a lot of people don't know kalen was instrumental in jed being yeah he was yeah you're right i mean he was very instrumental in getting him willie had three other names that he was looking at and kalen was one was like yeah you should look at this guy guy too yeah yeah did you did you go through any of this period of time though knowing you know kalen's uh if not crushing it doing Doing very well, or as good as he can, with within whatever confines of the school he was at, Southern Illinois, Eastern Michigan. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't doing well. Southern, it wasn't going great. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he wasn't. But their offenses were usually pretty good. Yeah, they were. Is he going to survive? Yeah, and he would call me. You know, just like, boy, I don't know. I don't know if uh, we're going to have a job still. And and um, and then when he got presented the Eastern job, he he was like, I I I have to take this. And I and me, I'm like Eastern Michigan. Is it, Are you like serious? It was the worst job yeah. in yeah. FBS at the time. And the one thing, Kalen is so good at networking and so good at identifying people you want to associate yourself with. And and Coach Creighton, he was like Curtis, man. When you sit in a room with this guy. People are going to buy in. They're going to. He's going to change things. And and he was spot on with that. He told me because I asked him like, why are you going? Like this is yeah. the worst job in FBS. Why'd you do it? <laughs> he was like. 
basically said that Creighton told him, we're going to go down there and it's going to be an easy turnaround. Yeah. Like what the people there previously were basically, they're so shitty that we're going to go down there and turn it around and then everyone's going to be able to do, if you want to go somewhere else, you're going to be able to go. There was no one at the football games. And and they slowly started to win games. Well, People and Grubbs to told come. me some stories about just, you know, the the locker room was a mess, yeah. and just like guys wouldn't run through the line at practice. You know, yep. it was just like who's who's running this? Yeah, and they actually get sued by whoever they, was. The they coach actually were Creighton, playing but, a game towards the end yeah. of the season, and a player came out with sweats on, and they, what are you doing? He's like, well. I don't want to hurt my draft status. And they're like, <laughs> really think you're going to get drafted? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they, they, they had to clean out some of that stuff. Cause I was, so I was going to ask you, like, because you were a big part of that success at USF with him, and then you had to, as you said, lighten your own load. And so it, it, and you kept with the storm, but it, I was going to ask you, well, were there times where you thought, well, he's crushing it. I'd, I'd like to see what I could do at this level as well. I wondered but that no, a lot too. But knowing what he was going through, maybe it didn't. Yeah, know. It, you know, there was opportunities to coach in college, even yeah. here in town. Every um, time a job opened, yeah, you know, or Augie or USF, you know, and, and but you the, always said like, no, I don't want yeah. it. No, these head uh-uh. jobs. Well, or, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. and one was USF. When Kalen opted to leave, mm-hmm. Willie called me, and I thought, you know, what he presented me financially and be able to hire assistants, I thought. If you would have just presented this to Kalen, you would not have that problem. Um, And and I couldn't believe it because he had to know, too, the first person I'm calling is is Kalen Mm -hmm. to talk about it. And I I had no interest at that point because, one, we're in such a good spot with the storm. I had half of the workload of what a college coach would have Mm -hmm. with the storm. And uh, I I didn't have to go all over the country to, to recruit. Um, I could see my kids do their activities. I, I mean, it was a win-win for me. So you eventually got the Riggs Academy going. We yeah. haven't talked about that much. What's going to happen with that? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, um, uh, I, I mean, really, it's in the hands of my partner, Sanford. I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, Peyton's the, the assistant director. I, I would love to see Peyton, uh, Brian Hermanson, Steve Kennedy, lead the charge i mean those three guys do so much out there already mm-hmm. i'd love to see them kind of do it um but really you know our our contract with sanford's up in december and we'll kind of talk with them and see what's gonna take place moving forward it seemed over the years that you really enjoyed that that it yeah. wasn't just something you did for more yeah. money or whatever i mean it was always fun to listen to you on tv because you had worked with a lot of these kids yeah. Um, it was always fun for me to pick your brain about high school quarterbacks or even, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about Taron Christian a lot when he was playing at SDSU. Yeah. Um, what what made you decide, I guess, that that was something you wanted to take on in addition to everything that you were doing? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting story. First, though, I, I, I just did an interview with Mark Ovenden, and they were talking about Spencer Wagey, the Watertown mm-hmm. kid at NDSU. I, he was one of our, our academy kids, the Combine, and, mm-hmm. and came down to the academy, and it's pretty cool to see some of these kids, you know, mm-hmm. making it at the NFL mm-hmm. level. But um, so I had no interest in it when it was presented to me uh, early on. People would come and say, hey, you should start an academy. And I didn't want to do all the moving parts. Like, where do you do this at uh, facility wise? How do you get all the equipment? What about insurance? And um, uh, Avera had approached me about doing something at the Golf Dome. And I kind of talked to him about that a little bit well then nate white brought me out and matt wilbur actually is the one that um was like hey my buddy nate white wants to meet you out at this mm-hmm. this new building they're building um way north of town Wilbur was doing the tibs stuff yeah at the he time, was doing right? tibs yep. and and um so i met nate white out at the field house as it was just being built and it, i mean it took maybe five minutes for me to see like oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. you can do great things here and i think the field house has been really the biggest key to the success i mean you can do so many big events it attracts so many people um and it's been the catalyst for getting the college coaches to come down and Mm -hmm. and when you get the coaches there the kids want to be there but i mean and sort of what i'm driving at here is between working at roosevelt and usf and the storm and doing the tv stuff the radio stuff and like i think maybe sometimes you even sometimes forget about it like just how much football you've got your hands in at all times i mean are you do you ever sometimes stop and think about like just how much of a football junkie you really are? That, well, that's, uh, you yeah, know. I think how it goes year round, and you, you know, I had a great business manager. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Beth. Beth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's the one that would be like, "Hey, 
the TV thing would be good for the academy. The mm-hmm. radio, even though you have to work with Gaskins, <laughs> it's still going to be good for the academy. <laughs> oh, you were worth every penny. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, she's the one that would come up with a lot of the ideas and, and help me out with that. But you're right. It would be football year-round. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when I stepped away from Roosevelt, I started the academy while I was still there, and then it grew so fast mm-hmm. that then I, I had to make the decision. I, I got to give up one or the other, and mm-hmm. that was a pretty easy decision. Um, and then dove in, and, and Sanford has been phenomenal to be partners with out there. So, you know, it's funny. I asked you earlier when you took the Storm job in 2003, did you envision 20 years of Storm football, which obviously you didn't. But I could almost double down on that question and go back to 1993 or whenever it was when Bob Young recruited you. Yeah. I mean, think about how the path that your life took yeah. and how differently it played out than if you had just never met Bob Young. I mean, this guy from yeah. Wyoming, and now you not only did he bring you to Sioux Falls and win a national championship at USF and everything, but what an impact you've made on this community and what an impact this community made on you yeah. when you yeah. chose to come here to play for, for USF for Bob Young. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I do think that um, I'm the first to always say, and, and I said in, in my um, – speech at the end before the game you know that Sioux Falls is somewhere where everyone wants to raise family I mean they should and and I I think it's a great place and you're right when Bob came and recruited me I thought there's no way I'm going to Sioux Falls I had and that's why it's one I'm able to relate with a lot of the kids now with the recruiting I understand they have this perception of going big and Mm -hmm. and I had the same mindset um and then uh, as I, I went on recruiting visits and I came out here and visited, and then Coach Young did a great job of like, well, hey, you can play football, you can play basketball, you can play baseball. Pretty much it's just like what you're doing now, Curtis. And, and um, you know, when Wyoming asked me to walk on, and uh, a guy named Mike Van Dees, who was the coach at Carroll, he was my Mike, recruiting yeah. coordinator, he goes, Curtis, you know, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be a tackling dummy for the first two, maybe three years, and then maybe your junior or senior year you'll get a play. And I was like, Boy, that doesn't sound yeah, very that fun. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Laramie is is a dump, and uh-huh. it's cold here. And uh-huh. boy, you got me. Yeah. Um, I so can't then wait. Uh, yeah. I I reached out to one of my teammates that was out here and asked more questions about it. And I really really liked the basketball coach back then. His name was Kevin Banastreek. Uh, he was a great coach, and um, I I thought maybe basketball might be my better sport. And you know that didn't take long to realize it was not um were but, you ever uh, on the usf basketball team yeah oh yeah i knew yeah, played i played baseball. two yeah i, I played two years with the varsity well i was the one that we had this guy named gary errington who was a human highlight yeah, he could just phenomenal dunks he quits the team he's our best player he quits the team right before we're about to enter the playoffs and um we had a good team stacy koistra and, and a lot of great players and um he calls me up and and he's like hey you're gonna sit the bench for the uh, playoff game against dakota state tonight and i'm like yeah cool awesome Mm -hmm. uh kalen had a broken collarbone it might have been him if it wasn't me oh he played basketball yeah he was playing he was good kalen i didn't know that i just knew baseball yeah and um uh i two minutes into the game vanistrick looks down Riggs, (laughs) and i'm like holy (laughs) shit and i swear to god it, it Back then, Dakota State pressed the entire game. Uh-huh. It was mass chaos. And uh, uh, within 30 seconds of the game, I was breathing so hard. <laughs> I was so gassed. It could, God, get me out of here. And he's like, suck it up. Get in there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So it, it was uh, fun for two years. And then when I became more serious about football and knew that was going to be my sport, I stepped away from basketball. Did you play baseball for all four, though? Uh, we didn't have it for all four. Oh, yeah, really? It was, it, we didn't have a baseball team. They kept saying, hey, we're going to have it. Then we had a club team for two years. And then we had the varsity team my senior year. So I did three years okay. of baseball. Were you and Kalen like instant friends? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, but I was there a year before him. And okay. then he came in and, um, yeah, we, I mean, right away we clicked and we're roommates. And, um, well, if you're playing three sports together. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, and it was enjoyable. I mean, we enjoyed it. It didn't seem like it was a job. We, we kind of took that high school mentality and, you know, at, at USF, it was it was really much sense the same way. And back then in college, um, you had to one to be able to pay for the schooling, um, and two, you know, the coaching. It wasn't a job. Football was was seriously it was really an extracurricular activity still mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. um and then it was more towards our junior senior year where all the colleges started to say you know you can only do one sport yeah. this is all we got time for 
And did you, did you guys have pretty much, it was la-di-da all the time, or did you guys have uh, arguments? And Well, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, what, yeah, was it, what was it like? Could you, could you say anything to each receiver, other? Quarterback receiver, I mean, yeah. come on. That's, yeah. well, that's, yeah. that's what I'm getting hey, at. Hey, I mean, I'll, I'll say. Do you have a good story? He yeah, is much more patient than I am. And, no. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, Understatement and, yeah. of the year. And yeah. he <laughs> has much better communication skills and personal relations than me also. And um, I think he did a great job of taking what I was saying and then translating in it to where <laughs> it made sense to other people. Because, you know, I could go at him and he would take it and then he could say something back where I knew, oh, he, he's serious and he's right. Uh, I, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's the way I we need to go. I always felt a little bit when you guys were coaching at USF anyway, and I had got to know you both pretty well by then, that you were more the analytical one yeah. and he was more maybe the emotional one. There were times you would tell me about arguing about a certain play call maybe or yeah. a scheme or a game plan thing, and you'd be like, well, this is why, and like give an X's and O's example, mm. and you'd be frustrated that he wasn't seeing it the same way as you, and then he would say something to the effect of, well, you're not wrong about the, the schematic yeah. thing you saw, but how's that going to affect this pl- or this player's not going to be able to execute the way you want yeah, him to? Yeah, or you're this exactly is going right. to leave. It, this yeah. is going to work out in a certain way that you don't want it to. And, and that's one of the things I learned from Kalen was um, it might look. And I thought this was a big learning curve for Ryan Grubb too at USF. It might look really good on paper, like boy, this defense, this play is so good against them. Mm-hmm. But you know, our, our you know what was a uh, Mog, the kid right guard we had at USF. Uh, he was a Watertown kid, and he was maybe, you know, 5'11", 235 pounds. Mm-hmm. Kalen's like, that's the guy you want to down block yeah. right there. Yeah. Like, what is he going to do on this down block? Yeah. And, and so, you, you know, you sit there and you're like, but it's so good. And uh, let's just try it. I, I think maybe once he actually uh, gave in to me and tried right, it. Fine. And then he looked at me like, <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, we better never have to go through this again. Uh-huh. The other thing I'll say is, I don't know if there's ever been a grinder. And if you ever get to talk to uh, Dusty Avorica, it used to drive him nuts because we had VHS back then. Mm-hmm. And and so Kalen had this cowboy clicker, and you could fast-forward, rewind. Well, it was always rewind, rewind. Re- I mean, he would watch a play a hundred times, oh. and the guys would be sitting there like, oh, my God, oh, my <laughs> God, I'm being tortured. Is he doing it on purpose? And yeah. he wasn't. I mean, he wanted to see every aspect, every possibility of that play. That's what Bobby Prep- taught him yeah, to do. Yeah, preparation was mm-hmm. a big thing I, because I felt like, well, we have a better player over here. He's going to beat that guy. And, it, it, no, he's like, we schematically, like what you just drawn up, it's got to work, and then we also have to have the better player to make it work, mm-hmm. too. Did you ever really change your style? Because you're a very direct guy, no. as, yeah. as has been described. We talked about your relationship with Lorenzo. Um, or did you, did you just figure your style works? Yeah, here, here's one one area where the style is much different from college to the storm. Uh, you, you know, the profanity. I, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, just it doesn't work. You don't do it in college. And, and it actually, I think one of the first practices I, I went to, I, I said, shit. And Kalen looked at me. He's like, hurts. And I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Yeah. Well, especially and, at USF. And, yeah. And um, uh, I, I found that, uh, you know, I tried to carry that over with the storm. And, and I quickly found that um, for whatever reason, it, it was more effective. It mm-hmm. worked well with uh, the players at that level. And um, uh, so I was so able to start. For all you young coaches out yeah. there, profanity. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, no. In high school and college, right. stay away from it. Yeah. It, it work. still is a little odd sometimes when I hear that at a college. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I hate to say it, but sometimes, and I say this as someone who curses all the time in my day to day life, <laughs> when I hear it at a football practice or a football game, I tend to judge that program yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like, and, like, yeah, and what, what kind I, of program what are you I, running over What here? I found you know? was is that their minds, yeah, you're able to mold their minds. And whatever you do, it's going to carry over. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, they're going to reflect and, and they're going to use those same things as they walk off the field. That, oh, I got a great. Great story, speaking of profanity and USF. So they move into Bob Young Field after all the years of the, you know, yeah. when they actually had the press box they yeah. have now. Yeah. And then you guys move up to Division Two, and join the NSIC. I think, so you would have been gone yeah, by this time. Yeah, I was gone But you've been up there since, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't really have walls, or I guess yeah. now they have the glass. But at the yeah. time, they didn't even have the glass. Yeah. They just had curtains. Yeah. So the opposing coaches are just up there. You can hear everything they say. Yeah. 
Well, it's like your first home, USF's first home game in the NSIC. In the NSIC, you know, there's public schools. Like the GPAC is different. It's all yeah, private, private schools, you yeah. know. So I think they're playing Bemidji State. And like first couple minutes of the first quarter of the first game, <laughs> something happens and Bemidji State's coaches are, what the fuck? Just yeah. cursing loud and everyone can hear it. And everyone's kind of looking around and I was kind of trying to like tell people, hey, guess what? You're in Division Two now. These are public <laughs> schools. This is like yeah. welcome to this is your new reality. Yeah. And Mark Benedetto, the president, decides he's gonna do something about this. <laughs> and and he announces to us, he's like, I'm gonna go talk to him. And I was like, Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. But he's the president. Who am I? I'm not gonna tell him what to do. So he walks oh, no. over and like puts his head into the, the curtains. <laughs> like, could you guys watch the language or something? And the, one of the coaches was like. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so he just cuts yeah. his losses and walks away. His face is all red. And I think he, I don't know if he thought they would know who he was, you yeah. know, but like, yeah, no. like, that was the president. I don't give a yeah. shit. Get your yeah. head out of my head. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that was the welcome to Division I, Two moment. I, you know, USF. though, I, I think um, the person in charge, the way he carries himself is how the rest of the program is going to carry itself. So, it, yeah, I think of John Stigemeyer. It, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just didn't hear it with the players either. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's the way he carried himself, and, and it just trickled down. Uh, but Exception I've seen other for ones, coaches though. in the booth. I've, coaches I've, in the booth, it's a whole different. Yeah, it is. You're right. It's, it, it, that's it, off yeah. limits. You and never and know. it's like um, you feel like no one can see you, so you can just say yes. whatever you want because uh-huh. no one can see you. Uh-huh. you know? yeah. And sometimes. Well, I was at the booth for your game on Saturday, yeah. and I brought my wife with because um, we were just kind of walking around. And she walks right up to Paul and Mark and introduces yeah. herself. I'm like, they're busy. Leave them alone. <laughs> yeah. you know. But both both of them, the first thing they said was, we're going to curse a lot. Yeah. So I hope we don't offend you. And oh, she's yeah. like, no, that's fine. But I was yeah. like, yeah, that's that's it's different down in the field. There's kids it down in the field. Yeah. There's no kids up yeah, in the booth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're winding yeah. down, so things are going to get left on the cutting room floor. But to, to your point about your bluntness, but also obviously you got a lot of practice coaching high school and college yeah. to, to not to be able to be blunt without – cursing sure and so that probably really helped you in the last few years where you've gotten to be a, co- a live commentator during high school and college <laughs> games and i don't know if that was something you wanted to do but i mean universally people are have enjoyed it they're going to miss it because you you go right at it there's there's very well, right. little filter it, you know what i find i i find that people appreciate just honesty you don't say yeah, yeah. i mean it, it, you know when you watch like uh, um uh, some of the ESPN guys, I'm like, just say what you see. Yeah. I, and yeah. and they are so worried about offending. And I, you know, I have had some coaches after games that we do will come up and be like, oh, you really think we're that bad at that, huh? I'm like, well, y- you were yeah. Friday yeah. night. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, you kept trying to run that same play, and it wasn't working. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I I have a good enough relationship where I, I'm one that you know stand my ground. I feel like I know the game fairly well. Um, but I, I just I, – it's never to attack a player. It's the schemes is where I'll question and, and then maybe say maybe they could go a different route with it. Yeah, because I just I, – I just, what are you doing? It's been nice I mean, to have you on our side. Well, thank you. Welcome yeah. to what it's like for us. <laughs> no, I just heard the words. Because you answered yeah. my next question. Have you, have you had to have been approached a time or two after yeah. some of these. What yeah. are they doing? Why yeah. are they throwing into the wind? Yeah, uh, yeah and, and uh, sometimes it's it's – parents and but you know what there i get more positive feedback than negative and um i get a lot of people saying hey you know what it's great hearing mm-hmm. you say what they're trying to do and how it's not working and or, helping or fans that understand is. what's going on yeah because you know, football yeah. is by far the most complicated sport it is every yeah. watching a baseball game we all know what's happening pitchers yeah. trying to strike out the batter yeah in basketball it's a little more complicated but for the most part you're trying to find an open shot yeah you know football's so much more complicated and people yeah they understand you're trying to get 10 yards for a first down but i always appreciate people who can talk about the offensive line play explain what our yeah. you know z- zone read schemes are something yeah. like that a cover two, the differences between a man and zone all those basic things that you know coaches sometimes get so caught up in the minutia of what they're doing that yeah. they forget how foreign it is to a lot of people yeah you know? and the cliches yeah i mean the cliches you guys hear it all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean they're overwhelming yes and, uh, yep. um it, but you're right i i find with parents and th- i learned this from the academy and my my kids growing up basketball everyone is a coach 
everyone is a coach because um, everyone thinks they understand the game that well. Baseball, you're right. Throw strikes and hit. Those are the two That's keys. Yeah. You know, like the pitcher's trying to throw balls yeah, or the batter's right. trying to miss. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I always yeah. wondered that. And yeah. Where football, they don't understand. Really, it comes down to football with, are you getting my son the ball? I mean, that's usually <laughs> yeah, the thing with yeah, football. Yeah. Um, and the other parts of the game, you're right. They don't really comprehend that. Mm-hmm. I, I actually uh, – one state tournament game out in Rapid City where there were hardly any people. It's a girls' state tournament game, and it's a terrible low-scoring game between two Sioux Falls schools that I heard. And it was – I mean, it's it's second half, and it's like 18 to 15 or whatever. And these parents were getting so distraught. One of them actually yelled – why don't you score? <laughs> Come on, offense. Let's get a basket. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, well, they're trying. Yeah. So, I, uh, um, Well, I was going to say, I, I wanted to thank you for oh, thank the you. access that you've given us. Because I told John last time, like, I learned a lot about from, about football yeah. from you. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Know, yeah. I played, but yeah. at a very low level. And as a sports writer, I've always tried really hard to try to understand as much as I can. I'm not yeah. ever going to be where I can, you should have done this, you should have done that, but I've tried to understand it, and I've been able to understand it a lot more from you being willing to talk about it, so well, I appreciate I, that. I appreciate I, you, You've always asked me honest questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you'll ask me a, a question where I actually have to kind of, i got to be careful how I answer <laughs> this here. And then oh, no. I also appreciated where if I answered it maybe a little incorrectly, you'd kind of bring me back on that line a little bit and um, – you guys have both been great to work with. John, I don't know if we're doing games this year or not. I don't, <laughs> I, I, you haven't asked me back yet. But, uh, well, I, do. Uh, so I, I am working with Tom Neiman again, though. He's great to do uh-huh. games with Midco for oh, SDSU. Are you still available? Well, I, I, so I will be leaving Sioux Falls most likely in December or January is, is when I'll be taking off. Okay. And who knows where, who knows what I'll be doing, but it, it'll be around that time. Who knows? We'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll leave it to speculation and conjecture. Yeah. Well, but before we go, yeah. I know we said, I said I want to leave at 3.30 and it's 3.30, but before we go, got a game tomorrow. We should yeah. talk about it a little yeah. bit. Are you going to win? I, boy, I hope so. I, I mean, I, same team I, you just good. played. Yeah. And that's tough to yeah. be same team two Not weeks Not only in a row. is it tough, but, God, they're just so physically imposing, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it's one where you have to stay close with them, and then in the fourth quarter you got to wear them down and win it then. And and it, a lot of it will come down to can we score at the rate we did last game. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Peyton's got a great plan. I feel like um, we, we can expose some weaknesses. But, um, you know, we go as Lorenzo goes. Yeah, we haven't and asked so you that's cool. what we'll have to ride ride his coattails. We haven't asked you how cool it's been to coach with Peyton this year. Because you, uh, you mentioned awesome. that's the one yeah. time you actually got emotional during yeah. the pregame ceremony yeah. last week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been cool. It's, I, I didn't think he would be as ready uh, as fast as he has been. Like from beginning of the season, he was ready to kind of schematically get things going. And then it was, how do you relate to the players? Because that, that is the biggest thing. If I were to ever give anyone a, a tip for coaching is uh, relationships is the key to coaching. I mean, it, it's the key with being a trainer, a coach, whatever. If you can build relationships to where you understand that player, you got to coach this player different than that player. Uh, what's the key to buying in on that relationship and getting the most out of them? And he's done a great job of that. I asked Peyton how emotional he was about you stepping down after all those years because he grew up with this football yeah, team. I yeah. can remember him sitting on your lap yeah. when I interviewed him yeah. or interviewed you. I mean, we have pictures of the this. first championship, him a little kid or me holding yeah. Afton. Yeah. So I asked him how emotional that was, and he was like, are you kidding? I can't wait for him to be gone so I can just call the plays yeah. and not have to listen to his shit anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he'll pull his headset <laughs> off, and, I, and I, I actually told this to him in the game. If you ever take your headset off, I swear to God, I'll put you over my knee and spank your ass in front of all these people. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, just remember, when you turn 50, you're going in that home. And uh, it won't be a nice one either. Yeah. So, That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, now that we know you're going to be around a little bit, I mean, I guess we could do this again sometime. Look at this pressure now. That's yeah. right. Or we could do the Monday night yeah. podcast again if you want to. That's yeah. uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that was fun. I really. That was where I learned a whole lot about football and uh, appreciated that so thank you for stopping by today yeah thanks for a game day and good luck and uh that's it
The one, the only, Curtis Riggs, Sioux Falls and South Dakota football immortality. Stepping down from the storm after the season is over, but it is not over. A dramatic win, 62-59. A Lorenzo Brown, the ageless wonder, touchdown pass with 17 seconds left to beat Massachusetts last week. They got some almost miraculous help from another team in the league, and all of a sudden the storm are back home to face Massachusetts again in the first round of the playoffs, and that could potentially be the final game for Curtis Riggs at the Storm Shelter as the head coach and GM of the Sioux Falls Storm. But who knows? They could go on to win a title. It might be the sweetest of them all if he were to earn number 12. And now Matt and Curtis have left the gateway. But I am still here and reminding you this is an awesome place to come watch sports or just hang out with your friends. It is very much so a cheers type of neighborhood bar. It feels like everybody knows your name, and if they don't, they'll know it quickly and remember it. Awesome service, awesome staff, terrific, delicious food, and, of course, drink specials all the time. And this is the official viewing place. If you're into the Women's World Cup, this place was a madhouse, just a bash every time the American men played in the World Cup this past autumn. And... It's the American Outlaws South Dakota chapter for World Cup viewing for the women as well. Uh, so as I'm speaking, they're going to have one tonight at Friday. Most of you won't be listening by then. But so long as the women last in the World Cup, the American women, they'll have the watch parties here at the Gateway with some pretty cool drink specials. And keep an eye on the Gateway Lounge social media especially on Facebook, because that's when they'll be telling you about the next quest for the queen. Uh, in fact, it's every Wednesday. I'm looking at it right now on the Facebook page of Gateway Lounge. Quest for the queen. Our queen here at the Gateway is Susie Cook, a, a veteran server, friendly face, bright, bubbly, effervescent personality, such a caring soul. And so much fun. And she is battling cancer right now. She's still working. She's here today talking to everybody. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not an easy battle. And so proceeds for Quest for the Queen, which is the same idea basically as a chase for the ace, all proceeds will go to Susie Cook. And here's how it happens. It happens every Wednesday. Uh, the pot this past Wednesday started at over $5,400, so I'm sure it will go up by next Wednesday. Tickets are sold from $530 to $650. The drawing is at $7. One ticket is $5. Five tickets for $20. 10% nightly pot goes to the winner. And if you draw a joker, you win a $50 gateway gift card. The joker remains in the deck. This is every Wednesday starting at 530, the quest for the queen with all benefits all proceeds benefiting the legend, Susie Cook, here at the Gateway Lounge. Not sure when we're going to have another episode, but boy, within about a month, we'll be doing them every week again as the football season cranks up. Big thanks once again to Curtis Riggs, our first guest in over two years on Nobody's Listening Anyway. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know how to round drinks? Yes. Yeah.